All right, I am here with Jamie from eCleanBro. Jamie, how you doing today, buddy? What's up, my brother? How are you doing? I'm living I like what I see, man. Never been better. I'm liking what I'm seeing. That hat is sick. I got to get one of those hats. Um, well, dude, thank you for taking some time to just chat with me today. Um, I know you were, you know, you got Fox interviews, you got ABC interviews, you know, then you have me, but I always appreciate it because, you know, what you said to me when, you know, I was just thanking you for coming on was, I always make time for my friends and I always appreciated that with you because you never forget where you came from and you uh, never forget about your friends. So appreciate that, dude. You got it, man. That's, uh, I always tell people I was, at a young age, I was always surrounded by great entrepreneurs. And I think the biggest indicator, um, I've seen the rise and fall of many great entrepreneurs. And I think one of the, one of the underlying issues where you, you see where the entrepreneurs fall is when they forget where they came from and they stop making time for the people who were there for them when they didn't, um, they didn't have what they have then. And when you're an entrepreneur, you know, you're an elected official, whether you want to believe it or not. If people don't want to see you win, eventually you'll notice once the people are not behind you any longer and they're not behind your business, you will lose. So part of being an entrepreneur and not like playing the game, I'm not a phony, but like you can't ignore, like you can never think you're too big for anybody. You cannot ignore your friends. You have to be there for the people who were there for you when you had nothing. So um, the interviews with like the major news outlets are fine, but they're not the ones supporting my business or, or really putting me where I'm at today. So uh, I always prioritize my people and my community. So yeah, man, I was always impressed by like when I used to, the early days of, you know, when you, you had everything set up running out of Nona's, right? And, and you were out there every day thanking every single customer picking up their food. And I remember I used to say to you, I'm like, dude, how, how much longer can you keep doing this? And you're like, I don't care. Like these people are keeping <laughs> my business going and I'm going to continue yep. to do it. Right. So that's just yeah. talking about like, you know, again, not forgetting about, you know, why you're doing this, who you're doing this for and the people that were there from you with you at the beginning. Right. Yeah. I have like a pretty humble beginning. <clears throat> I uh, I tried to do this business multiple times. I, I came up short seven something, seven, eight times. And uh, it wasn't until Hurricane Sandy, you know, I was, my family was devastated. I lost that, the house I grew up in was destroyed. My grandmother, my mother, my uncle, everybody lost their homes. Um, I got into like a really serious depression. I was 26 at the time. And I just felt so horrible about myself that I couldn't help my family. And I was just ashamed at the financial position I was in. And I never wanted to be poor again. So going into that, <clears throat> I was dwelling, dwelling, dwelling. Going into 2013, I remember I just, I hit a point of such depression where I couldn't do it anymore. And I was like, listen, you know, I made kind of like a declaration to myself. I said, I will, I don't know what I'm going to do because I had given up on cooking. I had given up on my idea of my business and I thought it couldn't be done. I didn't have the money or experience. So I, um, I basically just 
I put it in my head that I didn't know what I was going to do, but I was never going to be in this position ever again. And I had come to the realization that I had to start at the bottom. So I was ready to do whatever it took to be successful. I wasn't afraid to work. I wasn't afraid to do anything I needed to do to get to the next level. And by that, I mean, at that point, I was at such a low level that just getting a job at Best Buy was, uh, was a huge accomplishment for me. So um, leading up to New Year's, going into 2013, those months after Hurricane Sandy, I was on a mission trying to find a real job. And because um, while I was doing my catering business and trying to do these prepared meals, everybody would ridicule me and nobody wants cold chicken. Do you know how many meals you have to sell to make money doing that? It was a very um, meal prep in general was an unknown industry and nobody knew it was actually possible. So it was a pretty much like an underground concept that only like legitimate athletes and bodybuilders and people who literally, who the people who took their training the most serious knew about it, but the general population had no idea what meal prep was or even, you know, you, you guys got to remember the year I started Eat Clean Bro, McDonald's um, sponsored the Olympics and Jared was the face of weight loss sandwiches. So we've come a long way in seven, seven, eight years. Um, with that being said, I went looking for jobs. Nobody would hire me, which kind of compounded my depression and just, um, I just felt, I felt worthless. So it was a really horrible time and I was dwelling and dwelling and dwelling and uh, I didn't know what I was going to do, but I was ready to do something. And uh, <clears throat> I was bartending three days a week, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Uh, that New Year's came. I made my declaration. I was, I was ready to change. I was ready to do something. Still didn't know what it was because I had given up on cooking. And um, <clears throat> January 13th, 2013, I'm sitting down. It was a Sunday. I'm looking at the wall and I'm like, Jesus, what am I going to do with my life? I'm 26 years old. I'm living at my buddy's house during a tough time. He was letting me live there for free. And my phone rang and it was my friend, Matt, <clears throat> who I started originally cooking for in 2005. He called me out of nowhere, was like, Hey, Jamie, are you still cooking? I, uh, I put my phone, I put my palm over my phone. I screamed to my buddy, Paul, across the hallway, Paul, you think your parents care if I cook at their house? And uh, they were living in Florida at the time. So, cause they would go to Florida in the winter. So we were at their house by ourselves. And, uh, and he's like, nah, man, like do it. So I took my palm off the phone and I'm like, yeah, man, I'm still cooking. Like I lied. I said, yeah, I'm still cooking. Like, what do you want? <clears throat> And um, he's like, you know, me and my, some of the guys at the office want meals. So um, I, I got the order in. I took my last $300 from bartending that weekend. And um, I started going through my Rolodex of business. Over the years, I built a little book of business because I had been cooking for so many years. I had a couple people who really liked my food. So I took my last $300, went to the grocery store, got food, made it got it to them the next day. And, uh, you know what? I was really scared. I was really scared to do this because I had failed so many times and I'd wasted so much time. But the difference was that I wasn't going to let anything stop me. Um, 
I was not going to let anything stop me. I made sure that I owned every step of the way. I owned every inch of the business. And um, I wasn't, no partners, no investors, nobody could fuck my vision. So I didn't want anybody to get in my way. I knew what I had to do. I knew I needed to do it and I couldn't let anyone stop me. And the first six months was, um, oh my God, it was excruciating. It was so excruciatingly um, difficult. I had cooked out of my buddy's house. Um, I actually had to leave my buddy's house because I was in an explosion. I, I accidentally blew up his house. I thought I lost. <laughs> I didn't know about that. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I, thought, I thought I blew off my man part. Thought I lost. I uh, thought I lost my fucking baby. Uh, thought I lost my my male organ. No big deal. Explosion. What? No big deal, by the way, if you lost that. Yeah. Um, so then I started bartering with the restaurants I was working at because I was still bartending. So I had a couple. I had two jobs while I uh, while I did. I had one job while I did this. So I was doing my cooking business and I was bartending on the weekends to keep the money coming in. And. Um, so originally the first restaurant I worked at, the owner tried strong arming me, tried to, the thing is once people realized I, I had a little something, they tried to take ownership of it. They yeah. tried to exploit me and they tried to, um, they tried to take over. So that guy ended up locking me out of his building and tried to, uh, tried to choke me out. But I had a couple of friends in the industry who had kitchens. So then I called another chef <clears throat> That guy let me in. <clears throat> he was um, he was another one. I was paying him rent. He was supposed to give it to the owner. He was putting the, the money in his pocket. So at one time, the owner tried throwing me out of the kitchen. And I said, hey, like, I don't understand. I've been paying rent every week. And uh, she was like, oh. I'm like, yeah, I've been giving it to him every week. Like, I, I don't understand. Like, I thought. And, and then that's when uh, she realized the chef was robbing her. And uh, then, like, it got messy with him. That was that was weird. I was so I was at this kitchen in the middle of the night, bartending, cooking food in the middle of the night. Um, I would be up for like two days straight, trying to get everything done, delivering, dealing with customers, getting yelled at, um, getting robbed. People would place large orders and then cancel. It was um, <clears throat> it was really horrible during that time. And then. One day, like Tuesday morning, um, you know, I'm scrubbing the kitchen down. I'm doing all of the, uh, you know, can you see me? Yep, gotcha, back. I'm doing, uh, so I'm, I'm cleaning the kitchen. I'm scrubbing the pots and the pans. And uh, she comes up and she's like, hey, like, I'm not renewing my lease. So you got to be out of here by Friday. So at this point, I'm six months in to business. You know, I wasn't really able to grow the business at that point because I was just trying to get the orders done. I was trying to keep whatever customers I had happy. It was very difficult at that point because I was the only person I was doing everything. And uh, <clears throat> so um, with my back against the wall, I called up Joe over at Nona's. And at that point, I figured I had I, I was def they were definitely going to try to they were going to try to take something from me. And at that point I was pretty much, um, I was very vulnerable at that point. Cause I had nowhere else to go. Yeah. And I called them 
and I said, Hey, Hey Joe, like, uh, you know, I'm doing a, um, my phone is, my phone is ringing. Uh, so I called Joe and I was like, Hey man, like I'm in a, uh, um, you know, I'm doing this catering business for bodybuilders. Can I use your kitchen? I'll come in in the morning. It'll just be me. There's no strangers, blah, blah, blah. And, uh, he's like, yeah, man, come over. And, and just like that, like the most important business call business event in my life had just been that easy. And they were always there for me, helping me and they never wanted anything. And it was a blessing because I could have got, I could have got uh, taken advantage of really bad at that point. And at that point, when I got into Nona's, that gave me, <clears throat> that gave me uh, just a safe place to operate my business because there's so many things outside of just making food that you have to, <clears throat> there's so many things outside of food that you have to do. So branding, like marketing, events, networking, you know, it's hard to be the front man while you're the back man. So I was the front man and the back man. Nona's helped me with some part-time labor to help take some of those tasks away from me. And I started growing. And the more I got myself out there and the more I pushed the brand and then I got my Instagram and I got lucky a couple times. I went viral a couple times. And what was cool was I was in the right place at the right time. So when I was showing off all my stuff on Instagram, I was one of the first people on the internet to, sh to show like mass meal prep yeah. and the, all the fitness accounts were like, holy shit, who is this guy? And then that's when I started going viral. One of my lucky breaks was I was, <clears throat> I was high school friends with the CFO of Shreds, um, Sean Dua. So I saw Sean was at the Olympia one year on Facebook. I reached out to him, found out he was the CFO of Shreds. Um, at the time, if you were on Instagram in 2013, you could not go onto Instagram without seeing some sort of a Shreds product. Oh, they were everywhere. Shred, yeah, Shreds was Shreds was the product that pioneered um, affiliate marketing on the internet. So, like everybody you see today who's pushing something to get money, Shreds was pretty much the first ones to make that uh, normal on the internet. So. I got in with shreds. So Arvin, Arvin had heard of me because I was cooking for Mike the Situation. Mike the Situation's been my boy for a real long time. So Arvin Shout heard of me Mike, through Mike. What? Shout out to Mike. Oh yeah, yeah. Shout out to the situation. Um, so Arvin heard of me through Mike. <clears throat> I got up to Jersey City with Arvin. Arvin really liked me. I started cooking for Arvin. I started cooking for uh, all the at the time, some of the biggest uh, fitness influencers in the world. So, you know, uh, Joey Swole, Devin Physique, um, Hardcore Ainsley. I don't know where Ainsley Rodriguez now. Um, you know, Paige Hathaway was there. Um, Manco Fit, Massey, she was the one who really liked me. And she introduced me to Lala Anthony. And then once Lala Anthony liked me and I was cooking for her, she shouted me out. I got 40,000 followers in 24 hours. <clears throat> so that was the big one. And then once, uh, once, you know, Lala was helping me, then like a lot of doors opened up and then I became friends with, uh, I made friends with like Dr. Oz. I was, 
friends with uh, Beyonce's cousin, Angie. So I was up in uh, Parkwood Entertainment. I was in all the radio stations. Um, so then, then I got like, you know, made some, <clears throat> once I made those radio connections then I started making like really famous connections like DJ Khaled and Rick Ross, and, uh, you know, and then Lala, obviously Carmelo Anthony, I was cooking for the Knicks. And, um, and then I got into Disney. I was a Disney, Disney affiliated, uh, company. But look, all you, these, said, all, <clears throat> you said that you got lucky and you were, you know, right place, right time, but all that work you put in ahead of time set you up for that. And my, my friend always says positive things happen to positive people, right? So you putting in the work that wouldn't have happened to anybody else. Right. I truly yeah, I was, I, so the avalanche of celebrity support was perf was definitely huge. I had hired my, um, so chef John, was one of the greatest chefs I ever worked with. I hired him. And then my buddy, Johnny Oak, I went to high school with, was a huge um, creative technology guy. And then my wife, Kayla, um, I took her at a Nordstrom. So she had this like excellent customer service background, very organized, very focused. So Kayla was helping me get a lot of shit done. And then Johnny Oak was helping with like all the email marketing, the text messages, all that communication. And Chef John was just putting out food that literally, like, <clears throat> in the early days, um, you know, now that the food at Eat Clean Bro is always good. It's always been good. When we were cooking in smaller batches, I feel like the food was so over the top. People could not believe what they were getting. Um, I, th I just think it made the business so much easier to grow. Um, chef John was pretty much cooking all the meals you were getting. So you were getting like your own personal chef for $8 and 50 cents a meal. I mean, it was a no brainer to come to Nona's and pick up the food because it was so good. Um, well, it was such a no brainer that you had lines of cars down route nine. Yeah. You had to like control traffic coming into the parking lot. <laughs> I remember yeah. sitting, I'm like, what is going on over here? <laughs> yeah. Um, shout out to the police. <laughs> <laughs> The, the cops, uh, the cops really helped me too, because they could have busted my balls. Um, but they were cops, all over your food. So that's why they the were cops. Uh, yeah. Um, you know, I look out, they look out for me. I've always looked out for them. Um, you know, there was never any car accidents on the highway. So thank God. Um, that all got, that all got taken care of. The lines were insane. I, I remember there were a couple times the employees of the car wash couldn't leave because the traffic <laughs> was so bad. They got stuck. Um, and then, uh, but yeah, so we um, we became like a multi-million dollar organization cooking two days a week out of a side door. And, um, and uh, you know, I've, I've always believed in equipment, technology, and management, okay? So... I've always invested. I was always reinvesting into the infrastructure. I always believed that no matter what people, no matter what technological advancements are made in civilization, people always want to know where their food comes from. So I invested in my refrigerated vans because I know no matter what, people want to know where their food's coming from. When your food is delivered by an Eclean Bro employee, that assures comfort, branding, like brand loyalty, brand reinforcement, all that good stuff comes with that van. So <clears throat> there was an avalanche of celebrity support. There was an explosive growth period. 
um, that still to this day, I mean, eClean Bro is just still exploding with growth. We've been able to improve quality as we're like scaling crazy. So a lot of companies are unable to stay on top of their growth and maintain quality, which we've always done really well. And uh, I'm just, I'm so proud of, I'm just so proud of the company, the culture that I've built. Um, you know, it, it's just a, uh, it's just a super positive environment and people just demand excellence out of themselves and the product. So uh, my passion for food has just been, it's just been like a gift from God. And I've always been, I've always been super passionate about food. Um, just top to bottom, every aspect of the food business I've always loved. So I'm blessed with a, a bizarre passion. Um, so um, it's, it's just been a hell of a ride. So then I got, so once I started to outgrow Nona's, which was pretty fast, we worked really hard to find a new place and I got lucky. So I'm at Southgate Manor now in Freehold. And um you know, I've outgrown that place too. So now we're looking at a uh, new new place that we're going to try to be into by 2021, so we can handle the demand. That place, the where you're at now, that seems so big when you move there, right? From where you came from. Yeah. But I think we should all be with our businesses. Right? You should be. You should always be trying to outgrow your current situation, right? And it, it yes and no. Uh, well, yes. In my opinion. I, I would rather make, I would rather grow my company and be less profitable because like a lot, there's a lot of weight. So when you are a kid, there's right and wrong. But when you become a, an adult and you're in the business world, um, morally, there is always right and wrong. But in business, you know, depending on how you look at things. So if you want to run lower revenue, but you want to increase your profit and you want to just be at a sweet spot at all times, there's some people who operate their business that way. That's not how I like to operate. I'm a sales guy. I love high sales. If I have to give somebody a discount, whatever I have to do to keep people coming back and keep my sales high, I like employing people. I like giving people jobs. If my labor's a little high and my food cost is a little high because my food is great, if you're coming back and my retention's high, that's all I care about. So I'll operate on a lower profit margin if my retention's high and I'll just keep working on building a bigger business and a more efficient business while my customer gets a, a great quality product that keeps them coming back. That is my outlook on business. So I am always trying to grow my business. I'm always trying to think outside the box and give people more. It, you never lose by giving your employees more and by giving your customers more. It is a win-win situation. And another philosophy I have in business is always strive to be the best. But if you want to get rich, be the best and charge. Not the least. You don't have to charge the least, but give people a fair price. Be the best and charge a fair price. You will get rich. A lot of times when people are the best, they want to charge the most because they have, I don't know why they want to do this. Landscapers, construction guys, all of these people want to just charge the most money. When if they just are the best, and they, they charge fair prices. So I've always charged fair prices. Competition can't even get into my market because I destroy them. Real. If I just decided to raise my price, then I would start having to deal with more competition. I'll lower my price. And now what? Now, how are you going to compete against me when I'm the best and I'm fairly priced? 
So if you try to beat my price by a dollar, it's not worth it for the customer to deal with your aggravation or your lack of quality for a dollar. People are still going to come to me. They're going to spend the extra dollar for the quality, the convenience, and the dedicated staff. Um, I think when you experience eClean Bro from top to bottom, you get an army of people who really give a shit about you and your food. You know, I don't have any careless employees. I don't have an employee that doesn't care about the customer. Not one. I noticed that just when the, the down to the delivery guy that shows up at my house, I, I, it's hard to find companies where the employees are that happy. Right. And actually yeah. do care. And so by the way, how many employees, how many employees do you have now? I, I have over 110 here in New Jersey and um, we have like 20 something in Atlanta. 